You are listening to the podcast of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. CBMW exists to promote the Bible's teaching on men, women, and marriage. Learn more at cbmw.org. The Danvers Statement summarizes the need for the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood and serves as an overview of our core beliefs. The statement was prepared by several evangelical leaders at a CBMW meeting in Danvers, Massachusetts in December of 1987. In this podcast series, we are walking through the Danvers Statement line by line as we discuss the statement's biblical basis and ethical implications. I'm Colin Smothers, Executive Director of CBMW. And my name is Denny Burke. I'm the President of CBMW. On this episode, we are continuing to look at the affirmations of the Danvers Statement, and we're on the second affirmation, which says this. Distinctions in masculine and feminine roles are ordained by God as part of the created order and should find an echo in every human heart. Denny, why is this affirmation important? You need to see this one really in connection with the first one. I need to reread that because um, the first affirmation that we looked at last time says, both Adam and Eve were created in God's image, equal before God as persons, and distinct in their manhood and womanhood. So it's pointing to the special creation of Adam and Eve and saying that they're different from each other. They're both created in God's image, so they share that in common, but they're different from each other in their manhood and womanhood. And the manhood and the womanhood is comprehending everything that makes them into a man, everything that makes them, you know, everything that makes him into a man, everything that makes her into a woman. And so their bodily differences, for example, are going to be contained in their manhood and womanhood. And those distinctions are a part of God's special creation. So now you come to the second statement where it says distinctions in masculine and feminine roles are ordained by God as a part of the created order. So there, it's affirming that there's a created order, there's a design in creation, and therefore a telos, an end and a purpose in creation. And it says that they've been ordained by God, which means um, that there is, uh, even though we're not using the terms of natural law here, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the natural order of things, and it's rooting the distinctions of in masculine and feminine roles in that created order. Now, it's important for us to see this because I've even read uh, recently or saw recently a, a discussion from a critic of CBMW and a critic of complementarianism saying that complementarianism is denatured that it's somehow abstracted out from ontology of what it means to be a man and a woman. That's not true. Um, if you're looking at what our foundational doctrinal statement says, it says that the distinction between masculine and feminine roles are ordained by God as a part of the created order. This whole thing is rooted in the created order. So that critique sort of falls on its face. It, it just doesn't work. And it ignores what our foundational documents say and really what the major complementarians publishing have been saying. So we could almost substitute or a synonym for created order is what sometimes the biblical authors use as or refer to as nature. So, for instance, in Romans 1, Paul talks about what's contrary to nature. He's talking about God's created order in Genesis 1 and 2, which is, uh, occurs before sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 3. Precisely. So these distinctions are rooted in realities that are established at the very creation. So it's God's design, God's creation order. 
its, its nature. And so here, though, it says in, in Article 2, it says distinctions in masculine and feminine roles are ordained by God as a part of that order. It's not the whole order, okay? The order is expansive. It's everything that God has created. And so there's a telos to everything. And, and it includes our bodies. It includes the ground, the trees, the sky. I mean, there's a telos in, in everything. But a part of that created order are the distinctions in masculine and feminine roles. And so what Danvers is trying to say is that the different callings that God puts on our lives as men and women are not arbitrary. They are growing out of what he designed us to be. They are very much connected to um, our bodily differences. You know, our bodily differences are not arbitrary. We are designed in a certain way to function in a certain way biologically and then interpersonally there are implications of that. And those implications are expressed here when we talk about the distinctions between masculine and feminine roles. So that's one thing that some critics of CBMW have latched on is they've demurred from that specific use of the word roles. Why is that word an important word here in the Danvers Statement? Well, we can be really specific about those uh, criticisms. For, for example, Kevin Giles, who's a well-known uh, egalitarian author, he says that uh, we shouldn't be using the word role, and he says this, this is a quotation from his book, What the Bible Really Says About Women. He says this, he says, the word is not found in any of the most common modern English translations of the Bible. It was first used in the theater in the late 19th century and then in sociological texts in the 20th century. It only came into common usage in the 1960s when people started talking about how male-female roles were changing. In everyday usage, the term refers to characteristic behavior that can change. In complementarian speak, it is a code word for fixed power differences allocated on the basis of gender. What defines a man is that he has been given by God the leadership role and the woman the subordinate role. This can never change. Without ever telling their readers that they are using the word role in a way that no dictionary defines it, complementarians say that the primary issue in contention is God is God-given male-female role distinctions or distinct and non-reversible male-female male, roles. And he goes on from there. But he's basically saying complementarians has just, just made up a definition for the word role, and they're not telling everybody that. And in, it's they're, as if we're doing something nefarious. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. I invite all listeners to go open the American Heritage Dictionary right now, look up the word role, and it says this. The characteristic and expected social behavior of an individual. That's what we mean by role. Okay. The characteristic and expected social behavior of an individual. All we're saying uh, from a complementarian perspective is, is that, yes, if you read the Bible, there is characteristic and expected social behavior between men and women. In Danvers, uh, we are saying the Bible is most clear about this and how it works out in the church and in the home. But anyone who understands God's creation, design, and nature will understand this has implications beyond that, 
Okay. But um, Danvers speaks specifically to the, to the church and the home and outlines some things specifically there. So this is not a novel use of the term role, just a characteristic and expected social behavior that the Bible has upon men and women. That's, that's what we're talking about. Um, there's another author that's um, worth mentioning here, but Amy Bird has also rejected the use of the term role really based on what Kevin Giles says. She says this in her book, uh, Recovering from Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. She says, quote, we need to stop using the word role in reference to permanent fixed identity. Roles can change, especially in different cultures. My sexuality is not a role I play. I don't need to act like a woman. I actually am a woman. Furthermore, role playing is neither our identity nor our central, our eternal aim, end quote. And I just want to say, Nobody's saying your role is, is your identity. In fact, we would argue that your, um, your social behavior, how you relate to, to others, grows out of mm-hmm. what God created you to be. And the commands that we see in Scripture towards men and women, you know, to, for men to be the heads of their home, to, to love and to protect and to cherish their wives. Um, are, are there roles involved in that? Well, yeah, there are. And they're commanded, okay? So, but it's growing out of what God d- designed a man to be. And the commands of Scripture towards that end are also not arbitrary, but reflect nature. So nobody is saying, nobody's trying to collapse identity into some arbitrary role. That's not what it is. The distinctions between manhood and womanhood are a part of the created order. And then how we live in relation to one another grows out of uh, those created identities. And we would say it's in, in accord with what God reveals in Genesis 1 and 2, which is why, you know, in Danvers here, in this uh, second affirmation, it mentions 1 Corinthians 11, 7 through 9, and then 1 Timothy 2, 12 through 14. And there the Apostle Paul is instructing the church what men and women ought to do, aka roles, on the basis of what God has done in creation, Genesis 1 and 2. So when we're talking about what... Uh, men and women ought to do, we're, we're also talking about who they are, and those things are definitely connected. That's essentially what we're affirming here, right? Yeah, I mean, in other words, you know, I'm, you know, I go to work every day, okay? That's a role that I play. Is, is my identity my work? Well, no, <laughs> but my coming to work and playing that role is growing out of the calling that God has put on my life to be a protector for my for my family. You see what I'm saying? So no one is collapsing role into identity, but they are connected. And if you don't see the connection and put them in their proper order, you're going to have an errant view of what it means to be a human being, not just in terms of male or female, but just in terms of ontology in in general. Um, We all have roles that we play, but I would argue the roles that we play should be growing out of our nature, out of what God has called us to be, as, as a human being, and then, more specifically, as, as male and female. Right. At some point, you're going to decide, what is it that I ought to do? Yeah. And the Bible and the Danvers Statement here is calling us to, for men to act like men, and for women to act like women, which means we're going to say what a woman is and what a man is, yes, but that's the reason why we talk about something that's called manhood or womanhood, that, it, that which is fitting in accordance with your maleness, or that which is fitting in accordance with your femaleness, and those things are going to be different. They're distinct, right? Yeah, and you can see some of what is fitting just in our very natures. 
right? So, so a man is created to reproduce as a father. A woman is designed to reproduce as a mother. And a part of that is that she, um, her body is designed, organized for reproducing in such a way that she carries the baby for nine months. In her own body, the baby lives from her own body for nine months. And then after the baby is brought forth, the baby can live from her body still, is nourished from her body. Her body is designed this way. It's not arbitrary that you see women with a kind of a nurturing role in the that they, they play a nurturing role in the in the family. Now, is there a Bible verse that says thou shalt nurture? No, but there is a uh, it, it's revealed in nature and and it's it's a disposition that you'll see in so many women it's not it's not arbitrary but it does explain why you see what you do see in scripture so for example in Titus chapter 2 when Paul is addressing the different people in the congregation he also identifies some very specific roles that attach to them and in Titus chapter 2 and verse 3 he says older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior not malicious gossips nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. These are all more or less character statements that would be you know, broadly applicable, but they're character statements. But then it says this, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. That Those are roles that are given to them. They're, 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 they have an orientation towards the home. I don't think this means they can never make money or never work outside the home. I think their different times of life and callings may allow for all different kinds of things. Go read Proverbs 31 and, and see about the woman who makes an increase for her, for her home. But it does say that her primary orientation is towards the home. That's not arbitrary. It's it's a part of her vocation as the one who bears the children if, if she's married. And so it says, you know, the older women are, are supposed to instruct the other, encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to be sensible, pure workers at home, um, but loving their husbands, to be subject to their husbands. Those are roles, okay? It's the expected behavior of a woman in a marriage. So it's not inappropriate to use the word role. If you don't like the word role, that's fine. You don't have to. You can talk about the word calling. Okay. However you want to say this, there is an expectation that the Bible puts on us that grows out of our natures, and we have to observe that in Scripture and then live that out. And to even notice that that what God designs for us or has for us, what the Danvers Statement says should find an echo in every human heart, it is rooted in God's special design in Genesis 1 and 2. The other verse, uh, verses that are referenced here is Genesis 2.18, Genesis 2.21-24. through 24. Go and read those, and you see that the woman is created specially as a helper suitable, differently even from the way that the man is created, even in the way that God does it. And what the Bible is teaching us is God does it in that special way, reveals it in that special way, reveals even in the way that our bodies are organized for these particular things. He's equipped us exactly how we are for what we ought to do. Exactly. And it just goes to show that God is wise and good and everything that he does is wise and right and good. So the commands and the callings that he puts on our lives are not arbitrary. He's designed us for these roles and we are going to flourish 
and increase in godliness and goodness as we are living into those roles. Resources like the CBMW podcast are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider giving at cbmw.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening.